If you called someone a Nazarene today, you would be referring to pretty much the same sort of thing as if you had called them a Presbyterian. Because there is, as I'm sure you're aware, a church of the Nazarene. It's a Christian denomination based in the United States of America. It has 90 churches and a theological college in the United Kingdom. And they have churches here in Northern Ireland. One of my children went to a playgroup uh, that was held in the Nazarene Church of Skegenil Avenue in North Belfast. And, and you may know some people who go there and commonly, commonly they are called Nazarenes. And the denomination takes its name from the last of the six titles given to Jesus in the birth narratives that we've been thinking about over this Christmas season. Emmanuel, Messiah, Son, Savior, Lord, and finally, Nazarene. Matthew chapter two says, having been warned in a dream, Joseph withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. Unfortunately, there is no text in the Hebrew scriptures which actually says this. So when Matthew says, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, we don't exactly know which text or texts that he was referring to. What we do know is that the Jews of Jesus' generation loved word plays. It was a big deal for them, not only humorously, but in other ways too, to teach things and remember things. They often used play on words. Jesus in some of his teaching actually did that. And it might be, it might be that one of the texts that Matthew had in mind was the text of Isaiah chapter 11, verse one, where the prophet talks about a branch which will bear fruit from the root of Jesse. Why might that be the text? Because the Hebrew word for branch sounds like the name Nazareth. And it might be that that's the word play that Matthew had in mind. We don't know. Either way, doesn't actually matter that much because there is absolutely no doubt that Jesus of Nazareth was how our Savior was commonly known in his own generation. If you just quickly scan through the Gospels, you see it coming up again and again and again. A demon who possessed a man present in the synagogue at Capernaum calls Jesus this in Luke chapter four. The crowds alert a blind man to Jesus' presence using this title in Luke chapter 18. When Jesus asks the arrest party who, are looking, who they are looking for in Gethsemane, they use this title to tell him who they want. Pilate writes it on the notice that appears above the cross according to John chapter 19. It is one of Peter's favorite descriptors for his master. He uses it in his sermon at Pentecost, at the healing at the beautiful gate of the temple in Acts chapter three, when he is giving testimony before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter four, and his sermon in the home of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. It is used by the witnesses at Stephen's trial in Acts chapter 8. It is used by Paul in his testimony in Acts chapter 26. And perhaps most significantly of all, it is used by Jesus himself as he confronts Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 22. There can be no doubt that wherever it came from, Jesus was known as Jesus of Nazareth. It was the title that people used to describe him. He was a Nazarene. So what does that title 
so commonly on the lips of his contemporaries say about Jesus? There are two things. The first one is that this title talks about the importance of direction in Jesus' life and ministry. Speaking about the incarnation of the word, John says this, John chapter one, verse 10, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He was in the world. The reality is not just that Jesus' incarnation meant gestation and birth courtesy of the Virgin Mary. It did mean that. We've been thinking about that over Christmas but it also meant fully partaking in the human experience. In the incident that took place when Jesus was 12 years of age in the temple, we read, then he went down to Nazareth with Mary and Joseph and was obedient to them. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus' experience of being human was not just being conceived and born as a human being, but it was entering into the full human experience because he became a person from a particular place and time. Not just every man or not even superman, but just an ordinary man in the circumstances of life. Dr. Luke says elsewhere in his gospel that Nazareth was where Jesus was brought up. That's his phrase. Just like we might say about ourselves or a member of our family. I was brought up in Belfast. I was brought up in Mahara. I was brought up in Korean, wherever. And it was true of Jesus. He enters the fullness of the human experience. Now, Jesus' upbringing was not like mine. I grew up in a manse, and church has always been a part of my life. From my youngest days, my earliest mem- many of my earliest memories in life are memories of being in church. I'm sure Jesus would have loved that. The temple incident at 12 certainly suggested that if he had had his choice, that was where he would have been. But he didn't have an upbringing like that. He wasn't brought up in a, in a household where people were working in the local church. He grew up in a home with a dad who was a tradesman, a trade he was probably apprenticed to himself. He did not grow up in the religious hothouse that was Jerusalem. He came from Nazareth. And when we think about Nazareth, we think of it as being a remote kind of place. And certainly if you look at a map and you look where Jerusalem is, the center of the life of God's people in that generation, you look where Jerusalem is, you look where Nazareth is, it's away to the north. And you look at it and you think, yeah, this is a really remote place where Jesus was growing up. And so we have kind of imaginations about it. It's remote from the big city, so it's kind of rural and it's kind of peaceful and it has beautiful scenery and it's the kind of place you'd like to go on holiday and all that kind of stuff. We're probably influenced by people like John Greenleaf Whittier who wrote to him, Dear Lord and Father of Mankind. There's a verse in it that goes like this, O Sabbath rest by Galilee, O calm of hills above where Jesus knelt to share with thee the silence of eternity interpreted by love. And we have this kind of sentimental idea that Nazareth was a remote, quiet, idyllic kind of place where Jesus was able to grow up in complete obscurity and quietness and peace and all the rest of it. But if you zoom out from the map 
And don't just look at Nazareth in relation to Jerusalem, but look at Nazareth in relation to the rest of that area and of the world in which we live. You have a totally different picture. Because it turns out that Nazareth, though it was remote from Jerusalem, was right at the center of the world of Jesus' day. Nazareth sat on a main trading route all his life before his public ministry. Jesus had seen the Roman legions marching to replace the garrison in Jerusalem, the caravans of traders passing through, the produce of the marketplace not far to the north of Galilee, a new town was built while Jesus was growing up as a young boy. It was called Sephorus. And there, Jesus would almost certainly have, have been as a carpenter. He may have got supplies from there. He may have sold things that had been made in the market there. And in Sephorus, there was a Roman theater and baths and all the trappings of contemporary civilization just a few miles down the road. Nazareth wasn't a remote, idyllic kind of place. It was right at the center of the world of Jesus' day. When Jesus became a man, when he was incarnate through the Virgin Mary, he didn't just inhabit a human body. He lived a human life. He grew up at the center of the world of his day. And that meant that incarnation was a high-risk strategy. The Lord delivered his son not only as a baby into the arms of a devout young woman whom he knew would care for him and love him and give to him all that she had, but it also meant God putting his son, placing his son in the midst of the world of Jesus' day, which was anything but friendly disposed to the message that Jesus had come with. Nazareth was conservative in Jewish religious terms, and Jesus was parented by two devout people, but he was not hidden away from the world as it was. Rather, from the earliest days of his life, he was immersed in it. See, in Jesus' case, it was not the location of his life that determined its outcome, but the direction. It was the direction of his life which made him stand out. Just before he served what we now call the Lord's Supper to his disciples. On the night before he went to the cross, we read in John 13, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. The direction of Jesus' life and not its location was what determined his course. Jesus knew where he was headed it didn't matter that he came from Nazareth. It didn't matter that Nazareth was a part of the world of his day, full of the commerce and industry and politics and all the rest of it, of the generation in which Jesus lived. It was not that location that determined who he was. It was the direction of his life. He knew he came from the Father, and that's where he was headed back. When we recall that Jesus was a Nazarene, we remember that where you came from is not as important as where you are going. Who you are because of your upbringing, the world you inhabited as a child, the culture that has always been around your life, these are not the significant things about your life. 
They were not the significant things about Jesus' life. They made him a human being just like you and me, but they did not determine the outcome of his life. That was determined by the direction that he had. Where you came from is not as important as where you are headed today. Direction. When we think about Jesus the Nazarene, that's the first thing that comes to mind. But the second thing is reputation. In Jesus' day, to be called a Nazarene was a loaded phrase. Especially if you were called a Nazarene by someone from a Jewish background. Nazareth was in Galilee. This was the area the prophet Isaiah called Galilee of the Gentiles. And for devout Jewish people in Jesus' day, this raised the same kind of emotions that might have been raised in our community during the Troubles when someone mentioned somewhere like, for example, South Armagh. Phrase that immediately comes to mind, bandit country. That's what people said. You heard about somebody who had a son in the police force and they were assigned to South Armagh. Oh, bandit country. It was a place with a bad reputation. I feel a bit sorry for all the decent people who live in South Armagh, but hey, that's the way it goes. And Galilee of the Gentiles was the same. By calling it Galilee of the Gentiles, essentially, in religious terms, you were saying bandit country. Oh, I wouldn't want to live there. Why would you want to go there? You wouldn't choose to live in that place. And yet that is exactly what Joseph and Mary did. In fact, in the early years of the Christian church, there grew up a strong tradition that Mary came from near where Sepphoris would be built just a few miles north of Nazareth. That may have been the home where she grew up. And this was all that some people even good people like Nathaniel, for example, whom Jesus himself called an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. This was all that some people could see about Nazareth and people who came from Nazareth. When Philip was trying to persuade Nathaniel that he had just met the one who would come and told him that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Nathaniel replied in John chapter one, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? And when you read those words, you can actually hear the scorn and maybe even disgust that is in the voice of Nathaniel when he says the word Nazareth. He spits it out. Are you joking? Nazareth? It's hard for us to understand that people were disposed to dislike Jesus before they had even met him. But it was the fact because he was called Jesus of Nazareth. People already had their minds made up before they heard him speak. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Reputation. Just by being called that, people were making a judgment on this man. But there was a sense in which Jesus gloried in it. He gloried in the fact that he was known as Jesus of Nazareth. He was happy to use the title for himself. He gloried in it. Why? Because he knew that this was exactly the way that the Father worked. That was what the Father was always inclined to do. To take people who by reputation 
were disregarded by religious people and to place his spirit on them and to do incredible things through them. It's kind of the way the Father works. Paul knew that too. He says to the Corinthians, God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. That's how God works. The fact that Jesus came from a place of no reputation and that that reputation rubbed off on him was something that he was glad of because that was how the Father worked. The specific phrase Nazarene may not be in Hebrew scripture about Jesus, but when you hear the opinion of a generation of religious people expressed expressed in the words of Nathaniel, you realize that this is exactly what the Lord would do. Of course he would make his son a Nazarene. Of course he would do that. Of course he would allow for the fact that people would be disposed to be negative about him before they even heard a word from his lips because that's how he works. When we remember that Jesus was a Nazarene, we remember that he embodies a God whose modus operandi, whose way of working is not to start with the good and make them better, but to take the people, religious people, despise and change the world with them. That's how he works. It's how he has always worked. And when we call Jesus a Nazarene, we remind ourselves of that fact. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene I wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. But the fact that he was a Nazarene makes the second part of that question true. That's who God is. That's how he works. He doesn't take the good and make them better. He takes the worthless and the outcast and the people who have nothing to offer and he puts his grace in their lives and then he uses those lives to change the world. Reputation. We serve a God who is unimpressed with a good one and undeterred by a bad one. He had a son called a Nazarene. And that's for us to celebrate. He will be called a Nazarene. Reminds us of the fact that what is important about our lives is not the location of them, but the direction in which you were headed. What matters most about you is not where you came from, but where you're going right now. We're about to finish not just a year, but a decade, start a completely new decade in just a few days' time. And I have to ask you the question, so where's your life headed? I've just talked to Heather about where she's going and what her future is, and she's just asked us to pray about that that the Lord would guide her as to what God wants her to do next. She's concerned about direction. And what about us? It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your past is. God can deal with all of that stuff. That's not a problem for him. The question is, where are you headed now? Where's next for you? Are you open like Heather to hear what God wants? And the second issue when we think about Jesus and Nazarene is the issue of reputation. God is not deterred by a bad one and he's not impressed by a good one. Neither of those things are of significance to him. It's not how he works. He has always had a habit of working in one particular way. 
And that particular way was to take someone who comes from a place or who has lived a life that has acquired a bad reputation, a person whom religious people don't like and look down upon. And God takes that person and God places his spirit in their lives and God works through them. It doesn't matter what your reputation is. It's completely irrelevant to him. He has a habit of taking people with bad reputations and doing big things in their lives. This is an opportunity for you at the beginning of a new year to identify with Jesus, the Nazarene, a man who came from Galilee of the Gentiles. Your life is not about location, it's about direction. And it's not about the reputation you have, good or bad, it's about what the Lord can do in you. You open for that? You up for that? Let's just take a moment and be quiet before we come to the offering. Let's pray.